you for everyone else on the phone line. I do thank you for your patience on tonight. Uh, again, we are um, trying to make it better where we can be viewed a little bit better so um, and also heard a little bit better and clearer. So we thank you for your patience on tonight. God bless you all that came on the phone line so far. Um, let me know when you're ready. Thank you each and everyone for coming on the phone lines tonight and also on Facebook Live. Greetings from St. John Free Will Baptist Church where our pastor is William F. Hudson Jr. and I'm Elder Tiffany White. We greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on tonight. We're going to um, get into our prayer, but first I want to go ahead and give you our lesson text for tonight. I'm so used to doing that. <laughs> our lesson text on tonight is Philippians chapter 2. Verses 5 through 17, Christian humility. And the subtopic would be humble like Christ. And we're going to talk about that on tonight in the lesson. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 17. So let me... Father God, in the name of your son, let us pray. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, Lord, we come to you and just give you all the honor, glory, and praise. We worship you and honor you, Lord, for this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for bringing us here tonight to the Bible enrichment just to study your word one more time to see what it has to reveal to your people, your church on tonight. Lord, we just ask right now that you anoint me afresh so that I might rightly divide your word of truth to your people in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We ask for a continual covering of each and every one that's on the phone lines and the ones that's watching Facebook Live and, the, and other streams. Lord, we just thank you right now for your, your presence. We thank you right now for your anointing that makes teaching easy. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, we just ask that you continue to bless our pastor, continue to anoint him afresh in this time and in this season to be the man of God that you call them to be. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We continue to pray for covering over our church family, our leadership in our church, and all the um, churches that are surrounding us within the whole body of Christ. We thank you, Lord. We honor you and we give you praise. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Again, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to each and every one of you that are on live on tonight. Again, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 17. As we continue our acceleration, we must show humility. We must show humility. As as we as we can go here and think about what humility is, humility is the state or quality of being humble. That's what humility is. It's the lowly lowliness of mind, modesty, modest, you know, humble. And the adjective of that would be like modest or unpretentious. It's, it's, it's genuine. That's what humility is. So let's talk about this for a little while. 
we must show genuine humility in order to go in a true and divine direction. Proverbs tells us to acknowledge him in all our ways and he will direct our paths. We have to give up our will. That's what that's what humility is is giving up your will, sacrifice. It's being lowly lowly of mind, not lowly in mind as condescending, but lowly in mind as humility and genuine. Place, placing others above yourself, okay? Not being a coward or fearful. That's not what that's meaning. But understand God needs to take the lead in every aspect of your lives, every area of your lives. If we are to, to accelerate in a greater direction at his pace and not ours, that's what we should do. You know, we have to be understanding to what God needs to, for us to do. We have to take heed to what he wants us to do in this time and in this season. So, tonight's lesson, this text, is a lesson on Christian humility. That's the, that's the topic. Um, well, you might first ask, what is Christian humility? Okay, it's simply as it sounds. Walking and having humility like Christ in contrast to worldly humility, which is false. Worldly humility is false and it's pretentious and it really has its own agenda in mind but seeks to cover it up with a mask of humility. Um, well, let's go to first uh, to Second Kings chapter 5, verses 10 through 14, and we're going to talk about, we're going to give you some examples of what humility, give you an example of humility um, and, and the mindset of being brought low out of arrogance, uh, air of arrogance. Um, I thought this was a good, a good, where well, the Holy Spirit guided me here. And we, we just, it, it just made so much sense to go here. Let's um, read 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 10 through 14 as an example of humility. And this is Naaman. Naaman was, had leper, leprosy, a, a skin condition, and he was seeking healing. And so we're, we're talking, uh, Elisha is the prophet that was staying in the stead, stead to, to bring him his healing, or that's who he was seeking. But we, we're going to see as we read that at first that's not the case. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely, he will surely come out to me, talking about Elisha, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Parfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down, Naaman, went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. 
You see, Naaman decided that after his friends told him that, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and dip. And, and he was clean. But he was, if we go back, he was eventually, he was furious because he wanted the man of God to come to him. He wanted, he wanted pretty much, he wanted to, to be recognized. Um, and he had to show humility when his friends came to him. He showed humility and he had to, he had to come down from his place and his position, realizing that he really had a need. And if he really wanted that need to be met, he would do what the man of God said, whether the man of God was in his presence or not. So whether God is, 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 whether the man or woman of God is right there in your presence. The Apostle Paul talks about that a lot of times. Make sure your your care about your character. Make sure that your character is good, whether he's in your presence or not. And just like God is always watching you. And sometimes we, we get that twisted and we get we forget that he's always watching us. And we should act like that all the time in our actions, in our words, in our deeds. So that way, when we're called to our blessing, when we're called to our healing, we may be humble enough to receive it, and it shall be done. And I bought us, I, the Holy Spirit led us to that because we have to realize that we have to humble ourselves. We have to become lowly, and, and it might not look like, look like uh, we think it should look, um, we it, it might not think it, we might we might not think that the the blessing shall come the way we think it should come, um, or how we should receive it. But God knows what we need. He knows how we need it and how we are. He positions us to receive it. So that's a good um, a good section I wanted to go to on humility. So let us go a little a little further. And let's talk about, let us start, let us read. I'm going to read verses 5 through 17 in your hearing. And this is the New King James Version. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of heaven, those in heaven and those on earth, and though and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out your own soul your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to do and to do for his good pleasure do all things without complaining and disputing we're going to say that again do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation 
among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I may, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am poured out as a drink, this is our concluding verse. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. We're going to read verse 18. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Let us go back to verse 5. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. As we look at Christian humility, Christian humility is definitely a part of acceleration because Christian humility in this text is showing first how, how Christ gave himself, how Christ sacrificed and gave himself. He became, he, he, being fully God and fully man, he, he, said he brought salvation. So, so we thank him for that. And he showed humility even unto death, obedience even unto death. That's the type of mindset we must have. We must have the mindset we're not Christ, we're not God, but we must have the mind and the mindset where we humble ourselves and, and be sacrificial in our giving. And I'm going to give a plenty of scriptures to to um, help help uh, illuminate and shed light on on these texts. On this text, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This scripture, this scripture, this text, this lesson calls to action. It calls the Christian to action. We have to make the mental decision, just like I just forestated, just like we, we saw with Naaman. He had to decide if he was going to humble himself, no matter the circumstance, or he was going to stay unclean in his arrogance and pride. Okay, he, whether he was going to stay unclean in his arrogance and pride. Arrogance and pride will lead you to stay in an in a unclean, in unclean state. It'll leave you, arrogance and pride will leave you in a state where you might not even recognize that you're in. Arrogance and pride, because it, it's your will, it, it, it's your way. And you're not being humble and you're not giving to the way of God. So... Let's go to reference 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. When we're talking about mindset, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When we have our mind, when we use our mind, we have to make sure our mind is conditioned where it casts down anything that would say God is not real. Anything that would say contradict God's word, we cast it down and we bring it captive and we cast it out, okay? And we bring it to the captivity of the, to the obedience of Christ and we cast it down. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over those unclean thoughts, those unclean imaginations and, and arguments, these things that try to war against our mind and take our thoughts off of Christ, our, our thoughts off of Christ. Because if we don't think 
if we don't think and with our mind, if we don't use our mind to think like Christ, we can't develop and move into action. We'll be paralyzed in our own thinking, in our own worldly thinking. Because remember, we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And those are all, those are our, um, this is our foundational text for, for the vision for the year that our pastor has set for us, that been given by the Holy Spirit and set for our church on this year. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, he endured the cross. Endured means that he stood there. He, he, he not stood there. He, 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 he hanged there. And he didn't, he didn't waver. He didn't whimper and he didn't fall down. He didn't come down because he knew that there was a work that had to be done. He was obedient. Okay. And he, he despised the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, of God, when he ascended back into heaven, you know, he gave up his life. He said, and he said, he said, Lord, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. So he gave up the ghost. He did. It's nothing that, that we done or nothing that we can do, but he did it all for us. And we thank him and we glorify him for that. So let's see what we're saying in verse six. Let's go to verse six. Being in the form of God. That's the spiritual nature. And, I, and we're, we're starting out the apostle Paul. I really do believe here in this lesson that the apostle Paul laid the foundation of who Christ was in the first uh, five through 11 verses because in the five through 11 verses, because the 11th verse, because he wanted to lay the foundation of who Christ was. You can't have the mind of Christ. You can't have his attributes and his characteristics. You can't go into action and accelerate and move into the things of Christ if you don't know him and know how he became humble and why he became humble. We, there has to be an understanding. So that's what this is. It's laying the foundation in verses 5 through 11, kind of laying the foundation so you can understand who Christ is and what he did and why he did it. So when you have the mind of Christ, when you start moving into that action, you'll be doing it to his glory and be in his will, okay, and not your own will. You'll be, you'll be doing it, it'll, it'll be genuine. So with that being said, let's go back to verse 6. Being in the form of, of God, that's, that's the phrase we're going to look at from verse 6. Spiritual nature, not his human nature, form. When we look at the word form here in verse 6, it's talking about taking on the form. The form is the spiritual nature, not the human nature. Okay? Christ's genuine, genuine, Christ's genuine inner identity, not his outer appearance. 
Um, for us to have the mind of Christ, we must flow into this verse. It flows right into this verse, knowing that all that God that that all that God is, Jesus Christ was and ever will be. Okay, knowing that all that God is, Jesus Christ was, is, and ever will be. Okay, are we Christ? Are we to be God? No, but and and love any loving parent. Even any loving parent who want their children to carry their attributes and character. And that's what gives God the glory. That's what glorifies God. He wants us to have his, his the attributes. He wants us to have the characteristics of Christ. Remember, but he's fully God and he's fully, fully man. And he, he came and his deity, his deity was, we're going to talk about that. His deity was was not necessarily cast aside, but his deity was suppressed to the fact where even though when he when he came on the scene as a baby, he was still God, and he could have he could have done things then, but he did he didn't he it manifests and it came to fruition as time progressed. So let's go to some references. Let's go to John chapter one verse four verse fourteen, Saint John, chapter one. St. John chapter 1, verse 14 and 18. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay? So this is this is talking about Jesus. You know, he, the word. Jesus, he is the word. God is the word, one and the same, and became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Let's go down to verse 18. Verse 18 of the same chapter. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Remember, they're one and the same. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Okay? John chapter 14, verse 9. Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 9. This is another reference to Christ and who he is. Okay? And how he came in his humanity. Okay? Spiritual nature and in his humanity. We're talking about being the form. Remember, we're talking about the form from verse 6. John 14 and 9. John, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me, this is Christ speaking, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? He was telling Philip, this is the disciples, one of the disciples that, you know, how can you say that you that you haven't seen the Father? How can you say you haven't had fellowship with the Father? Because when you've seen, the, seen me, you've seen the Father. You've had fellowship with the Father. That's what he's saying. That this, These scriptures are serving as references to let you know that they're, they're backing up this particular text that he became the form and that 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 um, God and Jesus Christ was always at this at this on the same scene on the same set so to speak um, 
always one and the same. This is this is backing up that point that the Apostle Paul is saying. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 9. Verse 15 first. Colossians 1 and verse 15. Colossians 1 and 15. He is the image of the invisible God. We're talking about forms here. He is the image, image, form of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The firstborn over all creation. He was here before time began, before creation. He was here, okay? First Timothy, first, um, let's see. Let's go to another reference in Colossians 15. Now we're going to go to verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. That in him, in Christ, all the fullness shall dwell. Okay? 1 Timothy 3 and 16. 1 Timothy 3 and 16. We're still talking about the form from verse 6. 1 Timothy 3 and 16. And without controversies, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. God was manifested in the flesh, the form, okay? Justified in the spirit, seen by angels. Preached among the Gentiles. That's the that's the that's the that's the other part of the flesh. Believed on in the world, received up in glory. That's the spiritual aspect. So now we have the spiritual nature and the human nature of of God. Okay, we we see this, and let's go to um, the word. I want to take us to a commentary. Uh, clause I got from New King James Study Version Study Bible, and on um, page sixteen fifty eight, being let's say being from verse six, we we'll go back to the word being. The first um, when we talk about being in the form of God, let's talk about being. In this verse occurs being in this verse occurs fifty nine times in the New Testament. It refers to prior existence. Before the man, before he became a man, Jesus not only existed eternally, but also existed eternally as God, being not simply God, not not just God, but the very nature and substance of God, the very form. Therefore, God loved us so much he gave up his attributes to serve and save humanity. Therefore, God loves us, loved us so much, he gave up his attributes to serve and save hum humanity. Now, let's go to verses 7 and 8 of chapter 2, Philippians. We're back at Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. And I'm using clauses of the particular scriptures because I want us to kind of have have some um, references to go to where we're, we're talking about and expounding on each one of the scriptures. Himself of no reputation, okay? Himself of no reputation, okay? 
but made himself of no reputation. Let's, let's say that. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and came and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So the Greek word for emptying himself is kenosis, okay? He, he, he get giving himself is kenosis, uh, K-E-N-O-S-I-S. And it literally means, like it says, emptying himself, emptying himself, coming in the likeness of man. You know, Christians stand as empty vessels. That's what that's what we stand as when we're when we're standing in the stance of ministry. When we're standing in the stance of of um, service and and servitude and humility, we we stand as empty vessels before a few, full fountain. How are we empty vessels before a full fountain? Because we're ready to be full, fulfilled. We're ready to be filled. We're ready to to take in everything that God has for us. We're ready to, he's the fountain, and he's ready to pour his word and his wisdom into us as we are emptied out of ourselves, emptying ourselves out, okay? Kenosis, okay? That's what that means. We're emptying out ourselves so that we can become like Christ, okay? We're not Christ, but become like Christ. Christian stands as, again, as empty vessels before a full fountain, ready to be fulfilled spiritually, ready to be filled mentally, physically, and so that our spirit and soul may come into alignment with the will of God. We want our soul and our spirit to come in alignment with the will, in the will, with the will, his will, with the will of God. Good evening, everyone. Okay, let's see. Jesus did not lose any divine attributes. He did not. His deity ceased, as we talked about a few minutes ago. His deity did, because we see Christ's supreme humility. His deity, meaning that deity is just a big word for like kingship. His kingship, the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Okay, deity. We see Christ's supreme humility. Jesus poured him, Jesus, Jesus came, God, when he was in, as Jesus, came as Jesus, he didn't come saying, well, this is all the powers I have, this is what I can do as far as being arrogant and pompous and, and, and puffed up. He came in love and he came in humility and he came because he wanted to seek to serve and to save. Remember, serve and save humanity. If you don't hear anything else, hear those two, those two words. Serve and save. Serve and save. Okay? That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus poured himself out. He poured his, himself out. And we have to realize also, if we look at verse 17 in Philippians chapter 2, Apostle Paul uses an example of himself being a, being a servant. We must pour ourselves out to be humble. He, he He's saying that we must pour ourselves out and be humble, put others before ourselves in acts of service. This is letting this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. That's what this is. This is this is the fruition of it. This is the opening of what it means to let the mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. This mind, meaning the mind of Christ, okay? His actions, the way he 
he wants us to be. And let's go to a reference, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Very familiar passage of scripture. You could probably already quote that quote that without me getting there. But it's, it's very, very uh, profound as it pertains to this lesson. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, the mind is very important. The mind is very important because the mind, the mind is what makes the decisions. And if we don't use our mind to make the right decisions, we will always stumble and fall, okay? We have to make up in our minds that we're going to make the decision to follow Christ. Being a sacrifice, let's go back up here in, in, in Romans 12. Being a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, that means that living drink offering, that, that, that pouring out of ourselves, that giving, our, giving to ourselves, giving to service, uh, give, volunteering, being, being a friend to someone, our relationships and companionships, and, and learning to be a good listener to others. When somebody just needs you to listen or be a shoulder to cry on, that's, that's a part of service. Being a volunteer at a homeless shelter or a soup kitchen, those are parts of service. Those are things where you're being, a, being a, of service. When you're at your job, when you're doing it to the glory of God, and you love what you do, and you're not doing it just for a paycheck, but you're doing it because you're impacting lives, that's service. That's pouring yourself out. That's being a living sacrifice, and you're being holy and acceptable to God. And it's your reasonable service. It's your reasonable service. And, and that's why the Apostle Paul says, and with it, and do, in verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't let your service conform to this world. But be ye, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That sacrificial love, that sacrificial volunteering, you're, you're being transformed in it by the renewing of your mind. You're not doing it in a con carnal or selfish way. You're not doing it with your own agenda, but you're doing it all to the glory of God. Why? Because it says right here that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You'll be, your, your service will be your proof. Your actions will be your proof. Your acceleration and your movement into action will be your proof. And why? Because you're doing it to his glory and it'll be acceptable and his perfect will. Because you can be in a permissive will, but you want to be in God's perfect will. Perfect will of God. Okay? So let us um, talk again about renewing our mind renewing our minds renewing our minds that to renew something means that it goes back from what it used to be okay renewing renewing your mind so you go you go away from the old way of thinking the worldly way of thinking that's how you renew your mind and you renew your mind with the word of god versus uh, a whole bunch of worldly material 
Um, you have to be careful of the material that you take in for your understanding and for your growth and your discernment because all material does not renew your mind for Christ. And so you have to ask God to dis give you discernment, spiritual discernment, when you're reading, even reading materials that are, that are to help edify you and help, help you grow in Christ because you want to be pure in your thinking and your mind renewal. You want it to be holy and acceptable, and you want it to be right. And remember um, what in Timothy, the Apostle Paul said, rightly dividing the word of truth. When you're dividing the word of truth, even when you get ready to, to minister to someone, you want to make sure that you're pouring the word of God, the pure, unadulterated word of God. So Jesus is now and forevermore both fully human and fully divine. I want us to also see that in the, as, it, as in reference to that. You know, he, he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God. Okay? If we'll go back and really look at that. So let's go to verse 7. Okay? Verse 7. The form of a bond servant. There's the word form again. Verse 7. The form of a bond servant. This, this form here is talking about the flesh and becoming fully man. Jesus' humanity was genuine, but he differed from other humans in that he was sinless. He, he, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might be set free. And he fully possessed God's nature. Fully possessed God's nature. And let's go to a reference that backs that up. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness, in the likeness of sinful flesh. Not sin. He didn't send him in, in sin because he didn't know any sin. Jesus was not sinful. But in the likeness of sinful flesh, meaning in the likeness of humanity. That's what that means. The form, the form, that's what it means. The likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. He had to see, he had to feel it, but he still wasn't seeing. I want us to get this on tonight because it, 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 can be, it can be a little challenging to wrap your head around it. But he condemned sin in the flesh that Condemned sin in the flesh. Let's read verse 4. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, according to the deeds of the flesh, but according to the Spirit. First John says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's the comforter. They're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that is within us. That's what we choose to follow. The flesh and the spirit war, and they war daily, and they war all the time. So we have to make sure that we continue to feed our spirit. That's why it's good to fast, and that's why it's good to pray and meditate on God's word day and night so that you will be able to feed your spirit and not your flesh. We are in this flesh. We can't help but to be in this flesh because we, we were born in this flesh, okay? So... It's, it's, it's not cursed. Our flesh is not cursed, 
but we we don't we don't want to walk after the things because that's what entices the walk after the flesh because that's what entices your desire to sin. Um, let's go to verse verse eight. Verse eight. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. There's our word. There's that Christian humility. He humbled himself. There's the the example. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. To the point of death. He who knew no sin took on sin that we must be free. There it goes again. He came to die and be resurrected. Let's get some background scriptures for that. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Mark chapter 10, Mark 10 and 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's go. Let's talk about that for a minute. For even the Son of Man, the Son of Man is Christ, did not come to be served, but to serve. Christ did not did not put on the form, the humanity to come to be served. He didn't come and lay that. He, that's, that's again, that's why he laid aside that deity. And, and so to speak, he wasn't arrogant and puffed up. That's what I mean when I say lay aside the deity. He didn't let it go. He didn't release it. But he, he laid it aside as it, he wasn't being arrogant and saying, hey, this is what this is what I can do. You know, sometimes when you see people and, and when they're arrogant and they're, pop, they're puffed up, they say, well, this is what I can do and this is what I've done. I, 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 me, 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 not giving God the glory. For, for that job, not giving God the glory for for that graduate that that graduate that graduation or or that BS in science or you know not not giving him reverence for that certificate of being a nurse's aide or something, but we give God glory in everything, and when we 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 realize that we have to be humble, like Christ, we realize that we're serving Him with our humility. And to he give, giving our lives away, just like he said he did here. And to give his life a ransom for many. When we go back and look at what Romans chapter 12 says, give our bodies a living sacrifice. That's what this is. He was a living sacrifice. And that's what we must do. That's what we, we must be. We must be living sacrifices, okay? We must be living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And that's our reasonable service. Let's go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 4. First Corinthians chapter 15. And verse four, and the third, and that he was, let's read verse three. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, 
and verse 5, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the 12, okay? He humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death. This is talking about his death, and his, his, this is talking about when he was raised, raised from the dead, First Corinthians 15 and 4. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, um, let's go to, down to verse 12 in the same thing. Now, if Christ is preached, Christ is preached, if the gospel is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Okay, he was the first partaker of what resurrection will be like. Okay, verse verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Okay, he had to be the first partaker. Again, he had to be the first partaker. Verse 14, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Let's read that again. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. That means it's in vain. That means we might as well not even preach. And your faith is also empty. That means you don't have any hope. You don't have anything to believe in because it's in vain. And it's not true if Christ had not risen from the dead. So he had to die. He had to rise again. And he had to sit before, sit uh, on the right hand of the Father. He had to do what he did for us. Let's go down to verse 17. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Ah, remember, he became the likeness of sins. He put that, that sin on the cross. So had he not been resurrected, had he not been risen, you're still in your sins. That means you're not forgiven. That means when you go, when the, it's empty, just like it said in the following verse, previous verses, it's empty. Your faith is empty. Okay? So we have to know who Christ is. We have to know what he did. We have, we have to know how he humbled himself so that we can become humble. He who knew no sin. So that way when someone comes up against us and, and, and we have to be able to show that same forgiveness, of Christ. We have to be able to show love. We have to show the love of Christ. How can we show the love of Christ if we don't know what it means to show the love of Christ? How can we be humble if we don't know what it means to be humble like Christ? That's what our lesson is about tonight. That's what our text is about tonight. Christian humility. Christian humility. Let's go to verse 50, 58. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 and let's go to verse 58 of 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren, brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor is not in vain. Being the form of a servant, that's not in vain, okay? A bond servant is a servant, is, is, a, is a lowly title for, for a servant, okay? Someone that's serving, okay? So, so don't think, don't think that, that what you're doing and the service that you're doing, the place you are right now is minute. The place that you are right now is where God wants you to be. And I say that a lot because a lot of times we become challenged in our mindset 
and our way of thinking because it's sometimes most of the time most of the time it can be the world's way of thinking and what the world thinks you ought to be doing and what the world says you you should be doing there at their pace but you have to do it at God's pace and where he has placed you it's just like that that uh, just like a puzzle you're putting together you can't put it in the in a, in a different place if it's not meant to be there but it has to fit so where you are right now, if you're fitting, if you are fitting, that's where God has you to be. But if you're not fitting and you just feel out of place, maybe he doesn't want you there. Maybe you may need to go back to him and reanalyze and regroup and see what it is that he wants you to do. Remember, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. Second, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through five. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And this is the assurance of the resurrection. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is restored, that's this body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, Desiring to be clothed, clothed, glorified with our habitation, which is from heaven. If, if indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked, we will not be uncovered. He covers us. He's going to give us a glorified body. For we who are in this tent grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. That mortality may be swallowed up by life. Let's read verse, verse 5. Now he who has prepared, prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee. <clears throat> Humility is suffering for Christ. Humility is suffering for Christ. Christ, not, not suffering out of self-infliction, not suffering out of something that we've done and maliciously or out of our own agenda, but for Christ's sake, we place ourselves on the line. When we stand on his word, Christ's ministry has designed, was designed to show us spiritually we will live and die if we don't accept him as our savior. And naturally, we live, but we also have a decision whether we live or we walk like him or we'd be conformed to this world and not have opportunity to everlasting life. That last scripture I read was 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And now we're going to go into our concluding verses. Verses 9 through 11 it pretty much explain God has highly exalted him, highly exalted Christ. When we, be, when we obey God, he will exalt us. Not in a sense like Christ, but we are, we are not to exalt ourselves. That's what this word exalt, that's what being obedient is talking about. And that's what exalting is talking about here in this text. Let's go to um, James chapter 4, verse 10, when it talks about exalting yourself and talking about humility in reference to humility. 
James chapter 4, verse 10. James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. When you humble yourselves in, in the Lord's sight, he will lift you up. When you when you pray to him, when you pray to him in secret, like that scripture said, when you pray for him, pray to him in secret, he's gonna reward you openly. You don't have to reward yourself, you don't have to go carrying around your name, you don't have to to, to say what you've done or say I've done this or I've done that. But when you walk in humility, God will God will have other people praising you, singing you praises. And but it's all for his glory and not your own. So we don't exalt ourselves. We always take the lowly seat when we're in a place. And we always we want to be asked up, not asked down. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's the NIV. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. We're looking at verse 10 now. So at his name, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. Every tongue should confess and God the Father is glorified. Okay? Every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those of earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is the Lord, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee's gonna bow and every tongue's gonna confess. Every everybody is gonna recognize and reverence who He is. One in judgment, you know, there's no going around it. Every those that don't want to know Him and those that that don't really want to take the time to to realize who he and recognize who he is, there there's gonna come a day of reckoning, reckoning when they are going to have to 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 face him and bow before him and honor him for who he is and God the Father being glorified. Okay, let's go to verse twelve. Therefore, now Christians put Christ put now Christians. Put Christ's works into action. That's what verse 12 is talking about. When it says, therefore, there's a transition here. This is now putting the Christ's walk, the, the likeness of Christ, this is putting it into action. These last verses, 12, this is the transition you'll see. This is actually walking it out and putting it in perspective for us. Therefore, works in act, putting the works in action, not just being a hearer of the word, but being a doer of the word, discipline, order, obedience. I want us to see those in these this, these these um, following scriptures: discipline, order, and obedience. Discipline, me being stable, okay? Because our God is a God of order, and He demands our obedience, okay? Because holiness is still right. He is a God of order. He's not the author of confusion, okay? This works out our our own soul salvation with fear and trembling. Okay? When we're disciplined, when we're in order and we're being obedient, this is the working out spiritually of our salvation with fear and trembling. Okay? 
And then that way we're able to pour. We're able to minister effectively, not infectively, but effectively to others. Okay? Let's go to a reference. This is Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires, desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up his cross, not sometimes, not when I feel like it, but daily and follow me. Not how I feel, not based and predicated on how I feel, but daily. We must deny ourselves. This is Christian humility. This is what Christian humility is about. Denying ourselves. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what state or mindset I'm in. We have to learn how to take, to put our war clothes on and fight and push no matter what it looks like. Remember, Jesus took up his cross. Okay? He took up his cross. He went to the cross. And that's what it says here. It's not what I'm saying. If anyone desires to come after me, if we desire to walk after him and have that mind, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow him. And follow him. Follow him means be in service to him. Okay? And for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. You desire to save your life. You're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, laying down your will for my sake, laying down how you feel right now, laying down your emotions, okay? Laying down his life for my sake will save it. When we lay down our lives for Christ, he will save our life. Why? Because he come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for whosoever believing in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a promise. That's a promise. That's a promise. It's a gift, and it's a promise. Okay? Christian humility. Let's go to, let's go back to uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Let's, talk, let's look at the words complaining. Complaining and disputing. Complaining and disputing. In the Greek, according to the New King James Study Bibles, Greek, Muttering or these words mean muttering or grumbling. Okay, an inner rebellion. Rebellion. Okay, muttering or grumbling. You know how your children mutter or, or grumble or complain or in rebellion when it's something that they don't want to do. That's complaining and that's disputing. Sometimes that, that, that ties right in from that discipline and that order and that obedience. This, that obedience, we want to be obedient. We don't want to complain and we don't want to have disputes uh, against the word of God and what he would have us to do, even in reference to our relationships and on our jobs or, or, or in any aspect of our lives. Let's go to Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. And we are almost, almost done. Romans chapter 14. Verse 1. And I do hope you have your notepads and your pens so you can jot these references back so you can go back and review. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. 
I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Okay? So, you know, sometimes with Jesus, there's nothing unclean, okay, of in and of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So so through your lenses, through your lenses, through your eyes, it's unclean. But through Christ's eyes, it's not unclean. But you got to realize you want to do have this, the mind of Christ. You want to develop his characteristic and see it the way he see it and not the way you see it, okay? Discipline, order, obedience. Remember that. 1 Corinthians 10 and 10. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10. Actually, let's start at verse 9. Nor let us tempt Christ. This is talking about um, some examples of how we want to make sure that we're, we're drinking of a spiritual fountain and not of the fleshly fountain. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain, there's complain, nor complain as some of them also complain and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Go back and read some Old Testament examples of how people were taken out when they mumbled, muttered, and mumbled, and complained. Um, we can go back to the children of Israel. They mumbled, mumbled, and complained a whole bunch of time, and they grumbled against Aaron, Aaron and Moses. Aaron was his mouthpiece, was Moses' mouthpiece um, several times. But, but God always sealed his grace and his mercy always um, covers. But we have to realize that that mummering and complaining, he's not going to tolerate. But there will be a chastisement for that if we continue in it knowingly. 1 Peter 4 and 9. I know I'm kind of fast-tracking because I want us to, to get everything on tonight. We started a little late, and I do apologize again. 1 Peter Chapter 4, verse 9. Be hospitable to one another, to one another in your relationships without grumbling. Okay, simple. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. What does that mean, hospitable? Be compassionate. Show love. Uh, give of yourself. Give of your time. Give of your resources hospitality that's where the word hospitable hospitality comes from um share with others without grumbling with no hidden agenda um with not saying well well i did this for him or her and, and they didn't say thank you some uh, or or they forgot to say thank you they might have forgot to say thank you they might have been in a state where where they 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 weren't trying to not say thank you but but they were you know, just, just so grateful in, in themselves of getting something or getting the resource that, you know, they came consumed with that. So just be careful. Everybody's not in the same same area. Everybody's not on the same level. So, so so to just be hospitable to one another without grumbling, without complaining. Just remember, you you 
God sees you and God knows what you're doing. He knows what you did and he knows the service that you gave and he's the one that you want the reward from anyway without grumbling or complaining, okay? Let's go to verse 15. Let's talk about the word blameless. Blameless simply means above reproach. Above reproach, not arrogant, but above reproach. That means your lifestyle is lining up with the word of God. Okay, your lifestyle, your walk and your talk are lining up. Okay, harmless, pure or unmixed. That's what harmless means in this context. Pure or unmixed. That means you're not sitting on the fence. You're not straddling the fence. Okay, you're not having two two minds. You you your two mindsets. Uh, James said a, de a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, but you want to be stable and, and harmless, and you want to make sure that what you're putting forth when you're ministering and in your service or in your deeds that is connected to the Word of God, okay? Let's go to select, and this is talking, of, this is this uh, verse, it will back up what I just said, be simply being simply genuine and being real, um, Colossians 3 and 17. Colossians 3 and 17. Oh, that's not right. Colossians 3 and 17. Okay. Okay. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever you do, whatever service you do, uh, whatever, if you, if you, even if you're just there in a relationship with somebody, whatever you do, whatever, not just, not what you think, but whatever, it says what, whatever you do in word or deed, in word, when you're talking, or even indeed, that means your actions. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay? you even, So that means you even eat in the name of Jesus. You sleep in the name of Jesus. You meditate in the name of Jesus. You 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 work in the name of Jesus. Your, your occupation, you do it in the name of Jesus. Striving for excellence. Striving for greatness. Okay? Without the murmuring. Without the complaining. Being above reproach. Harmless. Okay? So... When you do everything, whether big or small, everything in the name of the Lord, being obedient to his will, he is glorified. That's being blameless and not allowing our good to be evil spoken of. We don't want our actions and our deeds to be evil spoken of. Pure and harmless in our actions. That's what this text is talking about. That's what these verses are talking about. Let's look at this word, at the word, uh, let's see, in verse 15, crooked and perverse, crooked. Crooked is a Greek word. The Greek word for crooked is scolio, from which we get the medical term scoliosis. And scoliosis is a curvature of the spine. So when we look at the word crooked in this context, crooked mean not Crooked means not in alignment, and if you've ever seen anyone with scoliosis, you've seen some. You've seen some very severe and some some minor. But the thing is, it's out of alignment. It's out of the straight formation. It's not in line. 
and and that's what it's talking about in this text. It's not in alignment, okay? And when you're not in alignment, you can't accelerate properly. When you're not in alignment, you can't move in the right in the direction God wants us to. We want our direction to be straight, okay? We don't want it to be swaying everywhere. And we don't want to be swayed by every wind of doctrine. We don't want to be all over the place. It is God who orders our steps, okay? When we're walking in a plain and righteous path. When we all, when we all, when we call, acknowledge him in all our ways and call on him to direct our path, as we spoke of earlier, we give up our will. We give up our will and become obedient to his like Christ gave us as an example. Apostle Paul now is stating that the light needs to be demonstrated. And radiated through our everyday lifestyles. We must demonstrate the, the Christ's attributes through our daily walk and our lifestyle. Do we always feel good every single day? No, we do not. I'd be sitting here telling you something wrong if I did say that. We don't always feel good. Our because we're in a body, we're human, and we're in this flesh. But but we we have to we recognize and we realize that the when the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. So we are willing in our spirit. And when we're willing in our spirit, our spirit over can overcome the flesh and we are healed. We're delivered and we're made free. Let's go to verse 16. Our labor is not in vain. Our labor is not in vain. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And we, we referenced that, but we're going to reference it one more time. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. That's the B clause of that particular verse. Knowing that your labor is not in vain. Keep walking. Keep pushing. Keep striving. Sometimes you're going to sway. You know, and that's why he gave us. The, that's why we have this text because... Because Christ knows that we're, that we're in the flesh. Christ knows that every now and then we're going to follow the wrong direction and the wrong path. That's why we have these examples so that we can learn how to have Christian humility and walk in plain paths and walk in the way that he wants us to walk. And so that's why we pick up ourselves and we keep moving. You know, we stay steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, in the work of the Lord in ministry, okay, in our service, in our deeds, in our actions, in our lifestyle. Our lifestyle is even a uh, service to Christ. Galatians 6 and 9. We don't want to grow weary in doing well. Galatians 6. Galatians chapter 6. And verse 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So let us not grow weary. Grow means it's over a, time, over a process, over a period of time while doing good. Because over a period of time, we can get burned out and we can, we can get stagnant and complacent. But we have to realize, right, what it says here in this scripture, in due season. In due season, when it's his time to bless you, when it's his time to move you to the next dimension, to the next level, 
you go, you shall reap if you do not lose heart. You can't lose heart. You can't lose hope. And you can't lose faith. And you can't give up on him because he's not giving up on you. Okay? Let's go to verse 17. This is our concluding verse. Drink offering. What does drink offering mean? Um, the reference in, from the New King James Study Bible says, after offering a sacrificial sacrificial animal on the altar, a Jewish worshiper would often make an additional drink offering, pouring wine wine over the offered sacrifice. What Paul is stating here in this text is his life has been, been poured out as a drink offering. And let's see what this means, a drink offering. 2 Timothy verses 4 through 4. No, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. This is Paul. For I am already being poured out. He's at his graduation. Okay? For, and this is his speech. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on the day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. All who love his appearing. Okay. Our lives are given up sacrificially for Christ. It doesn't, um, honestly, again, like we've said before, always feel good because we have been so used to doing it our way. We've been so used to doing things our way. But, but it's not Burger King. We hear that a lot. <laughs> you can't have it your way. Born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We have to remember that. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So we're used to having it our way. We're used to having it the worldly way, the fleshly way. But we have to let our spirit override the flesh. Psalm, and we find that in Psalms 51 and 5 when, when David is, is uh, talking here. Let's, let's go there. Let's go there real quickly. And then we're getting ready to wrap it up. Psalm 51 and five. This is a prayer of repentance when Psalm was uh, caught uh, in the act of, of adultery. 51 and five. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. This is he's talking about when he was born. Brought forth in iniquity. He was born in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Okay? In sin, his mother conceived him. So, we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. That's what that pretty much says as far as that scripture. Meaning that a lot of times we, we were born in the sin and we shaped in iniquity. But the thing is, we can be renewed. Let's go back to Romans, what Romans says. Be, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. When your mind is, is, is changed, when your, when, your, when, your, when your attributes are changed, when you seek to have the mind of Christ, you truly, you truly, you truly become shaped and you can accelerate in the place, in the places God would have you to accelerate to. 
as we reach our conclusion on tonight and our lesson objective, Christian humility, we take on the attributes of Christ, living a life which are living a life of service to him and to others. Therefore, being accelerated into the place he would have us to be in. I thank each and every one of you for coming on uh, live on Facebook Live on tonight and also on the phone line. We pray that God's word has been taught effectively and that you um, go back and research the scriptures and get a greater and better understanding of his word. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for wisdom and clarity on tonight. We thank you for, for just being able to come into your presence and seek your face through your word, God, teaching us about Christian humility in the lesson on tonight. We want to be more and more in your likeness. We want to have the attributes. We want to let our light so shine that men and women might see the good works, our good works, and glorify you, you the Father in heaven. So we thank you. We want you to be pleased. We want you to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And we're believing because we have hope and faith and trust in you. We don't have an empty faith. And we thank God that we do not have an empty faith because of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your blood and not counting it robbery to put on flesh and come down here and see about us and save our souls to serve us and not to be served. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you. And we glorify and we give you praise. Now, Lord, we just ask that you continue to, to bless each and every one that came on the line on tonight. We bless every household that's represented. We just continue to ask that you bless everyone that came on Facebook Live on tonight and the ones that will come back and look and listen. Lord, we thank you right now for those that, have, that wanted to come on for whatever reason that could not. Lord, we thank you right now for, for more understanding and wisdom and understanding and wisdom as they continue to research your word, as they go back and re research your word and understand what it is that you want them to see in all clarity. Lord, we thank you right now. We continue to lift up our pastor, Pastor Hudson, and his family, Lord. We continue to lift up our church family, St. John, and all churches that are represented on the phone lines and even watching live. Lord, we thank you for the body of Christ. We continue to pray for this nation, this country. We realize there has been a transition in power, but God, you are ultimate because, again, the government rests on your shoulders, so you have all the power in your hands. So we thank you, and we glorify. We continue to pray for our children. We continue to pray for the students that are in school, Lord. Continue to cover them and keep them, God. In the name of Jesus, there, there's a new way of learning, a new way of teaching. So, Lord, we just ask right now for your grace and your mercy to overshadow them right now. In the name of Jesus, we continue to pray for nursing professionals. We continue to pray for first responders and even the ones that's working in the grocery stores and even the ones that are working in, in, the, in the restaurants, Lord. They're, they're being exposed as well. And even the ones that are working in Walmart, we continue to pray for your covering and your anointing, even on those, God, in the name of Jesus, because it's service, it's humanity, it's hospitality, what you have called us to do and what you've called us to be. So, Lord, we just thank you. We love you. We honor you and give you praise. And we just glorify you, for this is my prayer, our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen, amen, and amen. You all have an amazing rest of your night. And until the next time, like our pastor always says, love is the better way. You all be blessed now. Bye-bye.